Can you extend your hands? I want us to pray for Nikki. Um, if, you're, if you're here and, and you've been at Convergence for, honestly, any length of time, you know how deeply we believe in not just the prophetic, but in what Nikki is bringing in that. It's, it's really valuable. It's amazing. And we as a house have pioneered that for years, but Nikki's taken it to a whole new level. And so we are an apostolic and prophetic house. It's one of the slides I show that our staff sees almost every Tuesday is the what are we building, and on there is we are building a church that believes in the apostolic and the prophetic, okay? We believe in prophesying, but also that we are sent. Um, and so I just want us to pray for Nikki. Lord, we just thank you for Nikki, and we just receive all that she carries this morning. And Nikki, I just want to honor you. I just honor you for the price even that, that you've paid to walk this out. What, what you've been going after, not just, not just teaching, but what you've been going after in the spirit. We just thank you and we honor you as a prophetic voice in this house. And we thank you and we receive all that you carry. We receive all that you carry, and we as a house, we just, we want to step deeper into what the Holy Spirit wants to do in the gift of prophecy. And so we just thank you for that, Lord, and we just honor you, and we thank you for everything that you are doing. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right. Let's go. Wow. <laughs> Makes it hard for me to talk after that kind of praying. Thank y'all. It's... Um, I never take for granted that I get to lead and serve in this community with this level of support and honor and doing it together because I definitely could not do all of this alone. So thank you all so, so much. The Prophetic Intensive, February 24th and 25th, it's going to be such a special time. Dan McCollum and Bethany Hicks will be joining us. And I just want to share briefly, like, normally this training um, is done over the course of three days because we're covering so much incredible content for you. But I asked Dan and um, Bethany, I'm like, can we squeeze it into two days so that even more people could come? Um, and so we're, we're doing it just Friday and Saturday, and it's a different thing than what a normal conference experience that a lot of people are familiar with. So like from Friday, we, we will start running at 10 a.m. With, uh, with a lunch break. Um, coming back, wrapping up by five, and it's going to be this interactive time of teaching, but then interaction with giving prophetic words, receiving prophetic words, and then you being empowered and equipped in how to actually process what we're teaching and implement your identity prophetic words um, in a deeper way. That's usually one of the number one frustrations I hear is, well, what do I do with what God has told me? What does it mean? What do I do with it? And so when it comes to your identity, it's one of the most crucial things to not just know it, but know what to do with it, to know what to do with who you are. And so we'll be covering identity on day one, um, and you'll need that day one in order to actually engage with day two, because we will build on day two everything that we do in day one. So day two, we're talking about destiny, your assignment that's attached to your identity. So day one is absolutely crucial, um, and then in day two, really breaking out what does it mean that what God's calling me to do? How do I do that? And we'll engage with that. I, I'm a mom, and I like things practical, you know? Like, I'm pretty straightforward because 
If it's not usable, then what's the point, right? Jesus wants heaven on earth. It doesn't need to be far away. It needs to be here and um, able for us to engage. So everything we do here at Convergence is geared in that direction of how do we take what he's saying to us and actually implement it. So that's February 24th and 25th. We've extended the early bird registration um, because of the holidays to February 3rd. But if you want to go ahead and register with that 20% off early bird discount, there's your QR code. Register today. Um, no, I really shouldn't go into commercial work, y'all. And then this Wednesday night is our monthly Prophetic Reformers training. And we've changed the name to Prophetic Reformers to better represent what we're doing here as a house. That whenever I do training, it's not just so that we hear more stuff, but again, that you, every monthly Wednesday night, there's new content and how to understand and implement what God is speaking to you. And we try to have a lot of fun, and it's just an hour and a half, 7 to 8.30, so that's my... That's my plug, because it's this Wednesday night. It's a full week, guys. So much fun. All right, so we can go back to the Convergence screen, and I'm going to dive right in. Yeah. So uh, last week, Andrew was talking about spiritual gifts, and I want to build on that with the prophetic. You did an amazing job last week. Like, I, I, I was literally thinking, I'm glad I teach on prophecy and not speaking in tongues, because that really is a hard subject. <laughs> And thankful I am not the director of the Ministry of Tongues. That would just be unique. But that was amazing, Andrew. If you did not hear that message last week, Andrew did an incredible job of laying the foundation of spiritual gifts. And then specifically the controversial gift of tongues. And it was so succinct and so so clear. So catch that. But since I am the director of Prophetic Reformers, I get to talk on prophecy, which is a little bit easier in my opinion. <laughs> And I never, it's funny, like, the times that I've preached in the past, I actually haven't really talked on the prophetic because I teach on it every month, et cetera, and so forth. And all the things that I do in the area, in the region, is on the prophetic. But I really felt like the Lord, like, I've actually had this message in my heart for a long time. And I felt like now was the time to release it because I believe as a house we're stepping into something New. We are, we are engaging in the double portion, the portion of what Steve and Marcy have pioneered over the last 30 years, bringing in that portion with this current portion that the Lord has for us. And so I think I want to spread vision, not just in a specific training, but to us as a house about what the prophetic is, why it's so important, because it's easy to just get familiar with the repetition of it, right? Because we say it all the time. We are a prophetic apostolic house. We're prophetic. We're prophetic. We're prophetic, you know? So, and I, I, I like it to be fresh and clear as much as possible. So, why do I love the prophetic? Why is that such a big deal to me? Because it's the voice of God spoken through the ages in all its various forms. He didn't just speak in English, right? He spoke in visions and dreams and and feelings and senses, and he's been doing it since the beginning of time. It is, it is the most amazing thing, and we see it all through Scripture. So we're going to do a fun run through Scripture, um, touching base. I cannot touch base on every single time that the Lord spoke because we would be here for days, right? Um, so I'm going to start in the Old Testament, and we're just going to go through Scripture of how he's used the voice and what that means for us today. So in the Old Testament, it all began with the voice of God, let there be light. There was nothing, and then he spoke. There was nothing, y'all, and then he spoke, let there be light. 
and there was light. And that set the stage for how he would do everything from here on out in the history of mankind. That everything would be connected to what came out of him. Because his voice is not just an audible thing. It's not just a sound per se. It carries the essence of who he is. And so it's, it's, it's representing, it's him giving of himself. He is light. And so when he said, let there be light, his voice was releasing who he was. The creative, the creative force of light throughout creation. And it's still going forth today. It's never stopped. Let there be light. And there was light. It's amazing. And then, and then it just keeps going. Like if, how many times, if you, did, if you just Google, please don't do it right now. But if you want to do it later, and God said, and then something happened, right? He tells Noah something. He tells Noah to build the ark. He gives Noah a vision. He's talking to Noah. And so there's an ark. And then he tells Noah when to go into the ark. These crucial moments of history that changed the planet, connected to God speaking to someone. Abraham in Genesis 12 through 25, everything about Abraham's life was shaped by what he heard or saw with God. He had, he had visions. He saw the Lord, where to go, what to do, where to be, who he was going to be, how it was all, you know, how he was going to, to build him out to be the father of many nations. And it all happened because he engaged, Abraham engaged with the voice, and he indeed became the father of nations because Jesus is from his line, right? And all nations are blessed because one man engaged in the voice of God. Just one. That's incredible. But it doesn't stop. Like, that would have been pretty cool, but it, it just keeps going. His, his children, his grandchildren, now we have Joseph, um, his great-grandchild, who at the age of 17, it says in Genesis 37, he's getting visions. He's having dreams about who he is, right? I know it doesn't go over well. If you know the story of Joseph, he gets thrown in a pit over those dreams. But Joseph's entire life is marked and sustained by what God was showing him, how God was engaging with him. And it culminates through all the trials and tribulations of Joseph's life. You can look this up in Genesis 37 through 41. All the trials and tribulations of life come, culminate in this amazing moment where now he's with Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, interpreting a dream about cows, y'all. Uh, cows, yes. This really incredible moment was all about the cows. And Joseph, because he'd been engaging with God his whole life, he was ready for this moment. He was ready to engage with the voice of God for Pharaoh. And it saved not only Egypt, because the dream, if you know the story, if you don't, the dream was, was prophesying that a great famine would come over the land and there wasn't going to be any food. So because of one dream and one man who knew how to engage in the voice of God, not only Egypt was saved, but it says in Genesis 41 that nations, right, nations all around were saved because of one dream, the voice of God, and a man who engaged with the voice of God. It's, a, I know, right? So incredible. And then it keeps going. It doesn't stop. Moses, God talks to Moses through a burning bush. And he, because he engaged with that burning bush and believed the voice of God, set him up to be the deliverer of a nation because of one moment with the voice of God. One moment of God talking to somebody. Changes the course of Moses' life. He thought he was just going to be in hiding for the rest of his days. Everything changed because of one moment and God speaking. 
everything. And it does, again, Moses' rest of his life, decisions he's making, the way he's, he's guiding people, all the directions, everything that was happening, it was all because he kept interacting with God's voice, God's voice, and the fruit of that for a nation. And then we're going to fast forward because, again, I mean, I, I was, I'm not a biblical scholar, y'all. I just, I do like to read the Bible. That's, that's the extent of my biblical scholarship as I read the Bible. But I just, I just, and God said, and God said, and God said. Until you get to 1 Samuel 3, where Samuel, the child of a mom who couldn't have a kid and just was crying out to God, and God answered her, right? And through a prophet said, it's, it's gonna, she has a child, and this is now Samuel, and there's a little boy serving in the prophet's house, and his entire life changes when God's voice calls him, Samuel, Samuel. But it would have ended there had he not been told by the prophet Eli that he was living with at the time in 1 Samuel chapter 3 of respond to the voice. Here am I. What do you want to talk about? Let's talk. Let's engage. And the minute that Samuel engaged with the voice of God that was talking to him, Samuel's life was changed. And then God, because he was listening to the voice of God, it says this about Samuel. And Samuel's word which was the word he was hearing from the Lord, came to all of Israel. One boy growing up, hearing God's voice, influencing an entire nation. If you read all about Samuel, all the times what he spoke or he directed because of the voice of God. Then we get to David, one of the most famous characters of biblical history. And how did he get picked to be king? Because of the voice of God. Because Samuel was told by God, the voice of God, to go up and anoint a new king. And he's looking at all these guys, love this story, and there's really handsome ones, and there's really this one, all the, they meet all the requirements that the world says, that would make a really good king. But he doesn't lean on what he sees. He doesn't lean on what he knows or what the world says. Samuel, because he's been trained to engage in the voice of God, is leaning on the voice. And the, vo- the voice of God is saying, nope, nope. And so Samuel's looking at the dad, you got anybody else? Anybody? Any volunteers, you know? Well, there's David out in the back 40. I guess we'll go get him. And the Lord's like, that's the one. Anoint him. Because someone was brave enough to engage in the voice of God and to believe it, anointed him the the king. And then we hear all about the exploits of David and how he's ushering in the golden age of Israel, right? Right? The age that we love to talk about because of one private moment in somebody's house that somebody listened to the voice of God and responded to it. And it's David. David took note of that, I'm sure. He was already engaging with the voice. He's being, his entire golden age is being ruled by him engaging with the voice of God. And I could keep going on and on. I felt like the writer in Hebrews, you know, like, I could just keep talking about all these amazing moments but I am going to stay in our time frame. The book of Daniel and the prophet Daniel, because of the voice of God, leading kings and shaping a nation. These were special moments and times that produced radical change just because someone paid attention, responded, and engaged in the voice of God. And yet, the prophets of old longed for a different time than just the superhero age. I mean, the names I just listed, Abraham. Joseph, Moses, Daniel, David. I mean, I'm talking about the Hall of Fame of superheroes, right, that I grew up reading in my children's Bibles that I had when I was a young kid. You know, like 
these superheroes, their superpower was only the voice of God and them engaging with that. Literally, that was the superpower, was the spirit of God and his voice coming upon them, enabling them to engage. But they actually longed for a time when it wasn't just superheroes. Moses specifically, in, in the book of Numbers, Numbers chapter 11, he is beaten down, y'all. So I just told you, right? He listened to the voice in the bush. He went and delivered the people, and now he is tired of leading the people. And that comforts me, because as a mom, I love you kids. I just, I just, yes. But you know, like, as a leader, there's times when you're tired, you know? And Moses is like, are you just going to kill me with all these responsibilities? This is Nikki's paraphrase. You can look it up in Numbers 11. I feel like my paraphrase is an accurate representation of what was happening in Numbers 11 because I really, you know, connected it, you know, with just being a tired mommy. But I love my children. It's just, you know, it's hard. It's hard being a leader all the time. It's just, it's not always easy. Anyway, so in Numbers 11, he's like, just like, kill me now, God. I can't do it anymore, you know? And God's like, okay, tell you what. I'm going to give you a break because I know there's a lot of pressure on you. And he says, call this meeting together. And I'm going to take the spirit that's my spirit that's just on you because it's not on everybody. It's just on Moses. I'm going to take a little bit of that, and I'm going to spread it around. And I'm going to get you a little help right now. I'm going to give you a little self-care day. You know, it's going to be fun. So that's what happens. So the spirit that's only on Moses, a little piece of that, he gets a day off. I mean, I don't know the technically, like, exactly the amount of time. And it gets spread around, and now other leaders are hearing God's voice, and they're prophesying. But there was, like, only, like, a time span, right? You know, and again, speaking all the leaders in here, it was just for a day or the time thing. And then the spirit lifted off of them and it, you know, went back on Moses, except for on like two guys, which I don't know, like maybe they were like faster than the spirit or something. They like weren't able to get caught to get it caught back. I don't know. And they're still prophesying, it says in there. And they're still doing like what Moses is doing. They're still hearing the voice of God and they're still saying what they can hear. And it says Joshua, son of Nun, Nun the guy that we all love and adore. He's, he's a great guy. But he comes to Moses and he's like, dude, like there's two guys and they're still prophesying. You've got to shut it down. And Moses says to him, why? I would love for all, everyone, <laughs> to, to, to have the spirit of God on them and to be able to do this. The longing in his heart that it wasn't just him, that it was everyone and then in Joel chapter 2, the prophet Joel has the same vision and heart. And he prophesies that it's going to happen, that it won't just be the superheroes anymore. It's going to be everyone. That Numbers 11 was just a brief prophetic picture of what it would be like if the Spirit of God was on everyone. And everyone, everyone could be a superhero with the superpower of God's Spirit and his voice. I know I'm saying superhero and that's kind of cute, but why do you think we love those today in our culture? Because there's a longing in you for more. There's a longing in you that you know you're not an ordinary human. If you're a believer, it says that you were died and your life is buried in Christ. You are a new creation. You're a new thing that's never happened before. It's brand new. And your superpower is the ability to hear his voice and his spirit being upon you.
So Joel, the prophet, prophesies it in Joel chapter 2. And then, guys, it happens. It happens in Acts chapter 2. After Jesus dies, he's resurrected. He tells his disciples, stay and pray and wait for the Holy Spirit to fall upon you. Now, this is language they understood. They understood the, the profound reality of what was about to happen. Because I just told you, the Spirit would come sometimes on some people for the thousands of years prior to this moment of history. And now these nobodies from nowhere are told that it's about to come on them. It's about to happen to them. And so in Acts chapter 2, it happens. The Spirit is poured out on Pentecost. Fire, tongues of fire, wind is blowing. They're speaking in tongues. They're prophesying. And it's wild. It's so wild that Peter has to stand up and explain what this is. And what he says is, this is a fulfillment of what the prophet Joel prophesied. The Holy Spirit has been poured out on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, old men, young, everyone. Every barrier that ever was there to you connecting with the Spirit of God is now done. The veil truly was torn when Jesus died on the cross. Because before, you had to go through a priest, and you had to go through all sorts of people, and I don't understand all that, but it was a big old deal. You couldn't just get to God, and now God says, it's okay, I've come to you I am manifesting upon the earth, Emmanuel, God with us, my spirit on all flesh. And it wasn't a one-day time or deal like it was with Moses in the book of Numbers. What happened after that? Y'all, it got crazy. The book of Acts? Seriously. There's like 26 chapters. I was, I was, I was double-checking this with like Steve, who's... I mean, I look at him as knowing a lot in the Bible. He's, you know, like, there's just, like, that much of the book of Acts, like, that much of the book of Acts compared to, like, that much of, of, of the Old Testament. And, and now we see, like, it just keeps going. He really does do it. We see Peter and John going before, during persecution, speaking to the Sanhedrin boldly what God was telling them to speak. Right? Jesus prophesied that. He said in Luke 12, 12, he said, don't worry about what you're going to speak when they deliver you before leaders and rulers and authorities upon all the big people of the land because my spirit is going to teach you what to say. That's prophetic. That's hearing his voice and then knowing what to say. Y'all, they were so good at it, hearing the voice of God. They were so in tune to it. People took note of them, it says in Acts chapter 4, it says, and people took note of them that they were unwise, uneducated men who had been with Jesus. That that was it. Because there was no way that they could speak what they were speaking on their own. There was no way they could have known what to say, how to say it, and been empowered to say it except by the Spirit of God that Jesus promised would be to us, his Spirit on us. Acts chapter 5, the apostles are having words of knowledge about what's really happening with people. Y'all, these guys, in one moment, they go from being scared, hiding out, to the Spirit of God on them, hearing his voice, emboldened, leading the greatest move on the planet that's ever been, which is the church. (laughs) 
because they're listening to the voice. That's in Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 6, Stephen, he's not even a brand name. He's not even one of the 12, right? Right? But don't you see how we've even elevated the apostles? Well, they, they were the disciples. They were nobodies, y'all. They were nobodies. The only reason why they did those mighty exploits and became superhero status is because they tapped into the superhero power of the spirit and the voice. And Stephen taps into it. He's preaching glory of God, the presence of God, the spirit of God on him. And now he's hearing what to say. And he says it even in the face of death. Nothing could stop him. Yeah. Philip sees an angel, and it leads to an important government official being saved and baptized. Do you see where these, again, nobodies are just listening to the voice, and the voice is telling, um, telling Philip, go in this direction. And it immediately puts him in the path of a government official, an influential government official. Governments, religious leaders, rulers, authorities. Do you see this? The takeover of the planet is happening because people are leaning on the voice of God. So the government official gets saved. We see Paul, I mean, excuse me, so it's Saul, he's about to become Paul. His encounter with light, and he hears the voice. And the voice is telling him, I'm Jesus, stop persecuting me. And he's radically transformed because the voice of God calls to him. I'll take a brief moment now because people will say, well, can't only believers hear his voice? Not when the Spirit's been poured out on all flesh. You got saved because God drew you to him, just like he did Saul. Maybe it wasn't a bright, shining light right there. I mean, that's pretty cool. But for me, as a child, as a seven-year-old, it was just a quiet assurance on the inside of me of, come to me, get saved. That's his, that's shocking, y'all. That there was once upon a time where that voice and that spirit could only speak to guys like Moses and Abraham and Joseph, but he could speak to a seven-year-old kid. Yeah. Then Ananias, we don't even know who this guy is. He hears God's voice to tell him to go help Paul. And so because of God's voice, and God's like, go, help the dude, right? He goes because of the voice. And Paul, Saul, who will become Paul, gets help. Peter, seeing a vision that would lead him to Cornelius. Cornelius, a Roman soldier, had already been spoken to by God that this was going to happen. This is literally all just in the first ten chapters. Ten chapters. And we see rapid acceleration of the work of God on the planet, unlike anything we've seen historically, because of two things. The Spirit is poured out, and people are paying attention to his voice and engaging with his voice. Acts chapter 16, Paul having a vision of the man in Macedonia, and so he went to Macedonia to preach the gospel. Acts 21, Philip, the evangelist, one of the seven, had four single daughters prophesying. They were called prophetess. The Lord, again, is stating the claim. It's not about gender. It's not about your nationality. It's about my spirit on all flesh drawing all men to me. The veil's been torn. Here I am. God continuing to speak. Agabus the prophet. That is wild. In 30 years, roughly, it's, it's roughly 30 years of church history that, that I didn't even, even get to the angelic encounters I didn't even get to all the other wild things that happened in Scripture. 30 years compared to what I just mentioned, which was over 2,500 years, y'all. 30 years. The Spirit of God, the voice of God is an accelerant. It takes one moment, and it changes everything, and it 
and it causes us to move forward in the momentum of the wind of the Spirit, not in my own strength, but in Him. And it hasn't stopped today. It did not end with the apostles because what God gives can never die. His voice is absolutely critical to our lives, our family, our work, our ministry. If you, I, I can't even go into all of church history that is just after those 30 years of all the, the people who went to foreign lands or performed mighty deeds just because they listened to his voice and they engaged with him by faith and the outcome of the prophetic that we sometimes can get so familiar with. And that is truly the issue I feel like today is not because many of us don't believe this. I believe that sometimes it's easy to be familiar with it or to have certain barriers that prevent us from engaging with us fully. And today it's time to just tear down any remaining barriers for you personally, but for us as a house. Because I think the greatest move of God is yet upon us because he's always the God of increase He's not the God of lack. He's a building God, generation upon generation. There's inheritance locked up in there that he's multiplied and doing dividends. And the only way to tap into the fullness of this moment is to tap into something that's never changed. Because he's never changed himself. Is that he's speaking to you. His spirit is still here. Let's respond, engage, and just whew, see what he does. Right? So what's one of the biggest walls that I see to engagement? And the word the Lord gave me was diminishment. Too many times people diminish the voice of God. And maybe they don't mean to. This is really not accusation right now. I'm just telling you my observation from leading and training and the prophetic for years. And diminishment just means making less than. Making something small that's actually big, right? And some of the places of diminishment is... Certain people just don't even believe that he's speaking. Like, you know, like, no, no, that died with the apostles. And I'm not here, I'm not here to offer a message of rebuttal to that. I used to think I had to, but it's kind of like with atheism. I, I don't have to convince you there's a God. My life is a living proof that there's a God. And so I don't have to convince you today that he's speaking. I know that he's speaking. What I'm, what I'm wanting to draw in is just... Obviously, if you diminish his voice that he doesn't even talk, then you won't engage. But if we do believe he's in, that he's speaking to us, it's easy for some people to think, well, how? Yes, Nikki, I do believe he speaks to me, but it's really not that big of a deal. Like, it's like, it's just, I just, it's just a little or it's not much, you know. Or maybe on the other extreme, it's he speaks to me all the time. I just don't know what to do with it. I, you know, like the frustration of what do I do with what he's saying to me? And then another place is he's speaking all the time, but we, we don't ever bring it down in a way that it, that it affects us and others around us, right? It's this diminishment. It's the making it less than. And so where I want to go right now and then just the next few minutes and land this thing after all of that, I really am towards the end, y'all. I know. Um, because he's already speaking, is the principle of Jesus from Nazareth. So he says in Mark chapter 6 that he went to his hometown, and they knew all about him, right? That he was the son of Mary. They knew who his brothers was and they, or were. And they sa Jesus said, a prophet is not without honor except in his home country. And he couldn't do many miracles that day because they were all like, isn't he just Jesus? And we know Jesus. 
So the first thing I would say that Jesus is washing off of us is the familiarity with Jesus. I said this recently when I was teaching at LCU, where is God's hometown now? Where does Jesus live now? It's not in Nazareth. It's in you. So the most dangerous place of familiarity is if it's in his hometown, then we must be vigilant to stay in a place of honor and recognition of the magnitude of Jesus. Because you're his hometown now. That's what I'm saying. So if we own as a house that we're an apostolic prophetic house, may we never get familiar with our mandates of encouraging in the region and in the nations right now the power of his spirit and his voice. That's what's unique about this house is the fact that we so believe this, we will devote time, energy, and resources to see an awakening in the body of Christ to the voice of God because we believe what it's capable of, right? And then equipping it on how to use that in a productive way. Finally, I want to go back to Joseph because I believe Joseph um, can be somewhat of a model of how we can engage in the prophetic. So it says again, in Genesis uh, 31, where Joseph was 17 years old, and he's having dreams about his future and who he is. He's going to be a great ruler, and his dreams, you know, even his brothers will bow down to him. And Joseph is sharing what's going on in him with his community. And so I would like to say that's the first foundation of a healthy prophetic community, is having people to process with. Now, I know it did not end up well with Joseph. He got thrown into a pit, sold into slavery. I would like you to know that that is not the goal of us as a house to get you thrown into a pit and thrown into slavery. But what I do want to say is it is important to talk about with your community how he's speaking to you. The second thing is, even though he did get thrown in a pit and he went through years of hardship, he gets to Egypt, he's doing really well for a little while, he's made, he's made a leader and one of the leaders of Egypt's house, and then someone lies about him, and now he's thrown in prison. Despite all of the hardships, and now I'm fast-forwarding in his lifetime, to now he's literally in prison for a crime he did not commit. He does not grow embittered towards God or God's voice, even though the voice told him he would be a great ruler one day, and he's not living his best life in the prison, y'all. He's not. But he doesn't grow in resentment to the voice of God. He actually keeps engaging with God's voice, even in the hardest and darkest places of his life. He interprets the dream of a cupbearer and a bread maker that were serving Pharaoh. He interprets what it means to have some cups and some bread, which then two years later, it wasn't like overnight, leads him to the moment where he's before Pharaoh to interpret Pharaoh's dream about the cows that I mentioned before, right? And that's because by now he's around 30 years age. This is 13 years after the initial dreams of who he would be and what he was supposed to do that he's now standing before Pharaoh, humbly saying to Pharaoh, I, won't, I don't know what this means, but my God does. And he engages with God yet again and his voice and then he interprets what it means for the, with the cows. And he leans on the experience of wisdom that God cultivated in him over the 13 years. Gives a master plan on how to save the nation. 
and the nations that were surrounding it based on the interpretation of cows. So I don't know about you, but if I was the God of the universe, if I was going to send down a dream that would save a nation and put Joseph, because he then was promoted to second hand, the dream that he had when he was 17 is now fulfilled. He's now this crazy leader, second to only Pharaoh. The way I would probably instill my guy would not be a dream about cow with, uh, with cows in it. Y'all, it was cows. Cows. Yes, Pharaoh, let me tell you what those cows mean. Let me, and then there was a second dream about stalks of wheat. But still, y'all, they weren't even flying cows. They weren't fancy cows. They were just cows. And then the cows ate other cows. It not only was cows, it was weird cows. Very weird cows. So what I would like to say to you right now is stop ignoring your cows. Seriously. Some of you are measuring what God is saying to you like it's no big deal, Nikki. I had a dream about cows. The, the bigness of your word is not about the word. It's about the bigness of your God. And the engagement of your word is not about, about the cows. It's about the faith that God has something to say about cows. And if us humans can relate to cows, the God, the humble God of the universe will communicate that to us. So stop belittling or diminishing your cows and engage with the greatness of God about what it means because nations are at stake. There are cows. Yes, absolutely, let's go. I hear this all the time. It's not that big of a deal. It is if it's God's voice. It's a huge deal if it's God's voice. Engage with his voice. That's what changes everything. Smith Wigglesworth says, at the slightest whisper of the Holy Spirit, I turn aside and obey. Just the, the whisper. Y'all, if, if somebody's got a dream about cows, the whisper. Let's talk about cows, Jesus. What does it mean? What do you have to say? And let me see the bigness of God unfold. I refuse to diminish. I refuse to make little. The smallest whisper of the voice of God. Because I'm telling you, that passage that Justin was quoting so much, I did not come to you with wise and persuasive words so that you would not rest upon man's wisdom, but upon the power of God. It also says in that pa passage, God's weakness is stronger than man's strength. The whisper of heaven is more powerful than the screams of the mightiest rulers in this, in this world, if you believe. I'm not here today to stir up your faith in the prophetic gift. I'm here today to stir your faith up in Jesus Christ. I'm here today to say he is worthy of engaging with. I'm here today to say lean back in to Jesus of Nazareth who came from nowhere. And one thing he says will change everything. It is the pattern of scripture. It is the pattern he set in the New Testament, and he hasn't changed his mind. And even if he spoke it to you years ago, and you're like, Nikki, I, I ignored it. It's okay. Just say I'm sorry and come back to him. Or maybe you have a situation where you're like, I got stories to tell you, Nikki, of bad prophetic words. And I don't like prophecy anymore because it has been so used and abused, and it's been weird. I get that. I could tell you all day long weird stories. 
about weirdness with the, with the prophetic and people saying, I heard God's voice and it was not used well. And for that, I'm sorry. But in 1 Thessalonians 5, he actually gave a remedy for that issue. He says, do not despise prophetic utterance, but test them. Just test them. Hold on what is good. Let go of what is evil, he says. So we just, you don't have to live in bondage or fear of a prophetic word when you have the power to test it and to flesh it. Just because someone says, God told me so, doesn't mean I lay my life down on it. I test it, right? But don't let the bad stop you from the good. When Craig and I were first married, I wrestled so much with trust. I didn't anticipate that. Many of you know my story. My dad was an alcoholic. He abused me terribly. And I remember one day, I would just treat Craig many times in our early years of marriage with distrust and suspicion. Even though he had done nothing wrong, it wasn't his fault. And I remember this one, mo- this one morning, I, literally I can see in my mind, he was just sitting on the edge of the bed, and he dropped his head down, and he said, how long will I have to pay for the sins of your dad? And I just started weeping because the best gift that was ever given to me outside of Jesus is my husband. And I realized I cannot treat Craig in suspicion and distrust because he isn't my dad. And I want to say to you, whoever misused prophecy in your life, whoever lets you down with the voice of God, is not an excuse to treat Jesus Christ with suspicion and distrust anymore. He's so faithful. And he proved it on the cross. And if there's anything inside of you like, well, what about this and what about that? Joseph didn't even have the cross to lean on when he was in jail. But you do. He did it all for you so he could just talk to you and change everything. Change everything. The outcome of New Testament prophecy is different than Old Testament. It says in, in 1 Corinthians 14, 3, that all prophecies should be encouraging, ex- exhorting, and comforting. And again, sometimes we make little of that too. Encouragement. Oh, that's so cute. I just love encouragement. Exhortation. I don't really know what that means, but it sounds like a good idea. Comfort. Isn't that cozy? That's so sweet. The superheroes of the Old Testament, they got to do really cool stuff. And now we've been relegated to encouragement, exhortation, and comfort. And Andrew keeps telling us that, so obviously we can't do anything else because it's just those three things. This is where I want to land on, and then I want people to start coming up. So if you want to do your spiritual releasing right there, yes. Encouragement. If you look it up, right, encouragement means the release of courage to move you forward. It is actually an action thing of propelling one into who they are or where they need to go. It is a movement forward of the spirit. When you hear God's voice over your life, over someone else's life, and you release that, it propels them forward just like it gave Moses courage to go deliver a nation. It propels them forward to step, to go to Macedonia to preach the gospel. It is literally a propelling forward. Exhortation means to build up. It literally gives you the ingredients to build in you what you did not have before. Because God says that he who began a good work in you will complete it. And part of him completing it is whatever you lack, he will build it up in you. Because you are God's workmanship. And a prophetic word of exhortation will literally release, this is who you are. I build you up in Christ. 
Comfort is more about past tense. It's every grief, every wrong done to you, everything that wasn't right in your life, that a prophetic word can literally release the comfort of heaven to soothe you and to, and to let you know you're covered. I don't know if you picked up on it, but a prophetic word can, can, will release the voice of God over your past. It will be what he says about your past. It will be what he says about your present. This is who you are. This is what I'm building in you. And it releases you into your future. Have courage. Go forward. He is covering your past. He's covering your present. He's covering your future if you engage with his voice. This is not simple. And I refuse to diminish it. And I call us forth as a house. Wherever we have diminished it, diminished it we let it go. And so today, if you want to come forward for prayer, there's certain things or, that I want to pray for today. Andrew, Steve, if there's anything else. But the first thing is the washing away of just like, oh my gosh, I have. I've literally ignored the cows because I thought they were no big deal, Nikki. I'm so sorry, Jesus. Don't tell me you're sorry. Tell him. Because it's about him. It's about us coming to what he died for, which is a conversation. It's relationship. So at first, I just want that washed away. Wash away, Jesus, just the, by the wind of your spirit, disappointment. He told me this 13 years ago. Well, don't give up because he who, who told you that is faithful. Engage with it because if you stop engaging with it, you may not go to the Pharaoh in the moment of need and may not step into that destiny. So wash away disappointment. Wash away Jesus and heal where people have been hurt by the prophetic. Because that's real. That's so real, right? And then as we, as we surrender to Jesus, all of those things, all the places of less than, we step into the place of honor. And we say, I honor you, Jesus. And I have faith that your spirit is upon me and you are speaking to me. And not only that, but you can give me the spiritual gift of prophecy to enable me to understand it and to release it. Yeah? If you want, like, more prayer, like, just come up front. I'll have the staff come lay hands on you. But I'm just asking right now what Paul said to Timothy. In 2 Timothy, he said, stir into flame the gifts within you. We stir it into flame when we honor it. We recognize it. We respond to it. However, he's speaking. So I just see the fresh wind of the Spirit blowing on many of you, stirring it up. Just receive. And then you engage with it. So if you want someone to pray for you, like if you're like, I, I just want my prophetic gifting to be stirred up. I want to increase in hearing. I want to increase in the engagement. You can come forward. Maybe you're like, I've just, I don't, I don't even know, but I just want someone to lay hands on me to impart the gift of prophecy. Come forward. Yeah, I feel like there's one more group that needs to come forward. And it is that one thing the Lord is releasing right now is a greater confidence that one, you hear his voice, and two, to act on his voice. And so if you're in the room and you're like, I, I've, I've had a hesitancy there. I need a greater confidence. I want you to come up. Because I really feel like there's something that we're stepping into. I love everything that Nikki said. And I love this in Acts 4 
where it says Peter and John said, whether it is right in the sight of God, Nikki talked about this, to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge. For we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. We are people here at Convergence that will not stop speaking about what God is saying and about what we see God doing. And then it says down here, take note, this is them praying to the Lord, that your bondservants may speak your word with all confidence. And when you do that, here's what he does. He extends his hand to heal. Signs and wonders take place through the name of Jesus. And so as I want Nikki to pray, and I want, I feel like one thing that's going to happen this morning is that you are going to leave this room with greater confidence in his voice. All of those superheroes that Nikki talked about, what did they all have in common? They did crazy things because they had a crazy word that God was on. So what does the Lord want to do in your life as we release more of the gift of prophecy, as we release more confidence in his voice? What crazy thing, what crazy dream does God want to birth in you as we step into this? Yeah, if staff want to come up and start laying hands on people, I am going to pray. But just begin laying hands. We're just going to release the fresh. It's already here. We're not beggars. We're not orphans. He's here. But yes, Lord, I just say stir. Wind of heaven, stir. Breathe on the flame of the gift of prophecy within each one. Lord, just breathe right now. Fresh, stir. Stir, wind of heaven. Stir up every gift inside of them that is meant to connect with you, to to connect with your heart for them and for others. Blow, wind of the Spirit, blow. Come, blow, blow. Yes. And right now, Father, I just call forth just in you all, just honor, tell them thank you. Thank you that you speak to me. Thank you that I live in the greatest time of history that they longed for in the Old Testament. His spirit is here and it is upon you. And every answer, everything we need for life and godliness is in him. So again, I just stir up and increase. I call forth an increase of faith in you, Jesus. We do not worship the gift of prophecy. We worship you. Therefore, we take your voice seriously right now in Jesus' name. Yes, Lord, wash away condemnation. This is not a condemning word today. If you have been one that's diminished, just let him wash you. It's that easy. Just let him wash it off. And just humbly, we just come in humility to hear him and engage fully right now. So yeah, dreams, visions, just release an increase of that gift right now that you would see visions, dreams. There'd be an increase of feeling the spirit of love, gentleness, kindness, self-control, power, sound mind, just engaging in the knowing of him. Steve. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I was, 
I just want us to stay in this place, but I was driving up and, and my phone does this thing where sometimes it just starts playing random things that are on it um, with the Bluetooth in the car and it started playing Isaiah 50. And I drove as I drove up to the church, Isaiah 54 played. It said, the Lord God has given me the tongue of disciples that I may know how to sustain the weary one with the word. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to listen as a disciple. The Lord God has opened my ear and I was not disobedient. And I just want to declare that over us, over every one of us. In fact, I just want us all to stand in the room right now. The Lord God has given me the tongue of disciples. Would you say that with me? The Lord God has given me the tongue of disciples. I know how to sustain the weary with the word. I know how to sustain the weary with a word. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to listen as a disciple. He awakens my ear to listen as a disciple. The Lord God has opened my ear. The Lord God has opened my ear and I was not disobedient. And I was not disobedient. Lord, I thank you that you have opened our ears to hear. I thank you, Father, that Father, this is a people that listen to you. And that as a house, we say yes to the word of the Lord. We say yes to your word. That we will not diminish your word, Lord. We will not become familiar, Lord, that we miss. And we just say, oh yeah, we operate in that. We believe in that. We believe, Lord, let us continually be amazed and fascinated by the fact that you would speak to us that we live in the time when the Spirit of God has been poured out on the sons and the daughters and they prophesy. May we never lose our amazement and wonder at the fact that we live in this time that God Himself would speak to someone like us. That Holy Spirit would come live and whisper in our ear and that we hear the precious Word of God. The precious Word of God that even created that you said, let there be light, Lord. And we thank you for new things that are going to be created through this house. That you are not through creating. That there, you are, Lord, I just feel like there is so much that God is wanting to release through us. That we are going to speak and create. And so, Lord, we just come into agreement with that. That you have opened our ears to hear. And the most beautiful thing about hearing the voice of the Lord is the intimacy with Him. That everything flows out of that. That He loves you. And John 15 says that he know, you're no longer a slave who just gets commands. But you're a friend of God. And you know His heart. You get to know His secret, intimate thoughts. You are a friend of God. Yes. Yeah, I just released wisdom right now. He who likes wisdom, it says in James 1, let him ask. Because he gives freely of wisdom. Those of you that are like engaging with the word of the Lord, those of you that are freshly engaging, he, he wants to release right now wisdom. And he just ask him for it. Again, this is all about him. Ask him for wisdom and insight into what it means. Let him teach you. Jesus prayed that prayer, and the spirit of truth would guide you in all truth. He would teach his disciples what to say. 
So I just release right now your spirit of wisdom and counsel and understanding. As the apostle prayed in Ephesians, open up eyes to see right now. There's nothing about his voice where we're on our own. It's always like what Steve was saying, just this increase of wisdom and understanding. And Lord, I know here, Father, we're doing so much to increase that in our house, in our region, but there's no teacher like you, Jesus. There just isn't. There's no one like you. And I'd rather have one conversation with you than ignore you, Jesus. It's not about the increase of knowledge, it's the increase of love that matters. So we just increase love in knowing you and loving each other. Yes, we just release, Father, like there's just gonna be an increase in this house and in this region of us prophesying the encouragement of where to, of movement prophesying the building up of who people are and the comfort of everything they've done, that there's just this increase in every house that's represented here, families, businesses, churches, God, the movement of heaven. Yes, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I just bless you all. You're free to linger here just to keep letting him stir over you. You're free to go because he goes with you. I'm not worried. He just goes with us to keep stirring, keep releasing. Yes. In Jesus' name. I bless you all in Jesus' name. for some of you, I feel like the voice of the Lord that you need to hear and receive right now is from Him to you about you. And there are things that we believed about ourselves that right now God is speaking to you about you and about your identity. Because your value is not found in your gifting. Your value is found in your relationship as a son and a daughter. And the word says the earth is groaning for the revelation of the sons and the daughters. Why? Because sons and daughters know their identity and they know their inheritance and they release the inheritance of heaven upon the earth. So right now, whatever God is speaking to you, just take a moment to receive what he's saying to you about you.